Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan Jesse Go Face Off or 30 Years of Exemplary Customer Service. Let's go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. No guest this week, Jordan. Zero guest. You asked for it. <laughs> A we... guest forgot which date he was supposed to be coming in. We delivered it. Sure. Uh, yeah, against our own wishes. And our better judgment. Oh, yeah, that too. So, yeah, no, I mean, this is truly seat of our pants. I mean, I didn't have really anything prepared. And <laughs> was, I mean, uh, and the guest we were going to have in, I guess we won't spoil it because we hope to have them back. Right, and and he and it was, it was not a Rutger-Hauer situation no. where it was a questionable excuse. Yeah. It was a, it was a mistake. Sure. That happened. Mm-hmm. Mistakes happen. You know, and the guest is a great guy, uh, um, very prestigious career, uh, famous for being kind of a chatterbox. So I purposefully kind of mentally coasted leading up to the podcast. And the now guest I was got Mar- nothing. guest was Mario Lopez. It was Mario Lopez. <laughs> I mean, you know, first 30 minutes. Dancing with the Stars. Uh, right. Second 30 Minutes, America's Best Dance Crew. I don't know. I don't even know if we would get to access Hollywood before our time was up. Yeah. That's, that's how much material Lopez brings to the table. <laughs> Holy shit. I just forgot he was on Saved by the Bell. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about that. There was a character named Jesse on that. I'm going to want to ask him about that. Right. If it's weird to talk to me when he worked on a show with a I character know, named Jesse. I know. They were romantically linked on the show, too. And now that me and Mario Lopez are romantically linked, is yeah. this weird? Man. I mean, this is going to have to be a two-parter when we finally lay it down, I think. Uh, the uh, Can I ask you a question, Jordan? You may. You, you probably meet people who aspire to be Mario Lopez sure. in your career as a yes. pseudo-entertainment journalist. Yes this, is the, yes, this is the main kind of colleague that I have. This is the single career in the world that is, has, is the least a thing. Yes. I think, I mean, I, and I may have said this on the show before, but I think the, 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 the best way to describe these people, the aspiring Mario Lopez's and, oh God, who's his female equivalent? I don't know. Mary Hart? Mary Hart, sure. Uh, the, 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 the aspiring Mario Lopez's and Mary Hart's and Mark McGrath's of the world. <laughs> I, you think, of, think of an L.A. actor. Think of, think of all the bad qualities you associate with L.A. actor. Now take away any concern with creativity. <laughs> What's this is an this is the interesting thing to me about it because mm-hmm. I feel like if you are Mark McGrath, mm-hmm. you're in the band Sugar Ray, sure. You want a lot of money for a charity on Celebrity Jeopardy, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody just you don't necessarily pursue that job. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I think Mark McGrath it was probably dropped into his lap, and I, 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 I have met Mark McGrath on a few occasions. Seems like a nice guy. Seems to have a sense of humor about himself. Yeah, and and uh, hey, look, as anyone who you just met at a party will tell you, mm-hmm. he did great on Celebrity Jeopardy. Right, absolutely. Um, 
But no, so I mean, maybe I maybe I'm but wrong there, to include Mark McGrath in with those. No, but I mean, and I'm and probably that's what happened with Mario Lopez too. Right? No, you're right. You're you're probably right about that. Yeah, maybe he he was on. But there are people who aspire to this right. as their career. Right. Sure. Without trying to defame McGrath or Lopez, yes, there are assholes who want nothing more than to because I'm not going to lie. Gab inanely with celebrities. If somebody offered me, <laughs> you know, a hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. to be Mario Lopez, I mean, I probably do. I probably sure. take that job. Absolutely, I'm not going to turn down that job. It's probably fun. But the question is, I think, who is the person who pursues that job right. as a life goal? Yeah. Like yes. Mary Hart. That is a person, yeah, a person who likes movies but not art. <laughs> you know, like, a, but doesn't, like, see that they're, they're, there's a link between them. I feel like that is, I, I feel like in Los Angeles, there is this whole group of people that I didn't know before mm-hmm. who are absolutely passionate about film but hate art. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, but like, visual art? What's the... No, no, hate... Film as an art form. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that seems to be the entertainment reporters of the world. That is such a strange, like, who is, like, so, like, it's one thing to be really passionate about, I don't know, uh, E.T. or something. Something that is, like, mainstream, but meritorious. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there, there are a lot, I feel like I see on television or interact with people who are really passionate about the entertainment business, mm-hmm. really passionate about film and television, and really passionate about, like, outsourced. Sure. I mean, is this maybe the same kind of instinct that leads someone to be passionate about, like, baseball but not athletics? I don't know. I like always... someone who just loves the numbers of baseball, like someone who collects the stats in their head but isn't, but doesn't love... Running? I don't know. Is no, that... because because here's the thing. Like, that is what I imagined. Mm-hmm. What I imagined was, before I moved to Los Angeles, what I imagined was that people who worked in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. all the people who were in comedy aspire to be Woody Allen sure. or Albert Brooks, and all the people who were in dramatic film all aspire to be whatever, Fastbinder or something. Sure. Um, and... And there are people like that. Sure. I want to make it clear. This is not everyone. Yeah. But I did not know that there was a category of person for whom, like, their dream is to create, like, Back to the Future. Yeah, well... And that's not against Back to the Future. I even want to draw more of a distinction between this kind of person and the entertainment reporter. Because I feel like you talk to, you know, think about, think about douchebag actor 27b you know he's got an outrageous shirt on he's he's 32 he's got on an outrageous shirt from urban outfitters that uh-huh. says i don't know kentucky is for lovers virginia is for lovers right uh, he's 32 he's got that, that is t- pretty outrageous t-shirt on. by the way he's, he's very good looking i'm literally holding my hat on right now because you almost blew it off right, with, with the outrageousness of that example about that slogan um yeah so there's this guy and he sucks Yes. But if for some reason you're in a room and you have to talk to him long enough, uh-huh. which I often do, <laughs> right? this is a guy who's been to like a lot of acting classes and has maybe been in, not by choice or necessarily, but has been in 
a David Mamet play or had to do some Shakespeare in college. So this guy sucks and would like nothing more than to be in the next Transformers movie, but is kind of aware that, like, acting is an art and there's a technique to it and that there are non-Transformers movies out there. And I think that, like... And, you know, maybe, like, took an elementary film theory class or something like that. And, like, if you can find that level... Like, if you have to talk with this guy, you can find that level to connect with him on. The, And, you know, he's, he's probably, you know, maybe likes Woody Allen movies or something just because he needs a fallback smart guy thing to be interested in in case he has or ever has to talk about it. But, yes, and I think when you do – that's where this guy is different from the entertainment reporters is that those guys don't even give a fuck about that stuff. Like, <laughs> they just want – you know, they just assume that Kate Hudson is great. Well, here's the thing. Our, our friend Adam Lissagor, Lonely Sandwich from uh, the You Look Nice Today podcast, mm-hmm. uh, worked uh, – you know, these days he works independently. He makes his own uh, short films and so forth. Sure. Um, but there was a time when he worked in the movie industry. Mm-hmm. And he worked on this movie called Torqued. Yes. Um, starring Adam Scott, mm-hmm. uh, the wonderful Adam Scott. Lawrence Fishburne, too, right? No uh, Ice Cube. Nope, oh, racist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just said the, the careers of Lawrence Fishburne and Ice Cube are relatively parallel, aren't they? Sure. Well, they both rose to prominence with their politically incendiary lyrics. Sure. Uh, of course, as... Wait, hold on. Let's Google Teenagers, they were both in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> sure. Uh, why are we Googling Torch? I don't know. I feel like maybe Lawrence Fishburne's in it. Lawrence Fishburne was not in it because okay. I saw it in oh, a okay. screening here in Los Angeles. Okay. It's, frankly, like, it's not even that bad. It's monumentally stupid. Yeah. Uh, but Adam Scott is actually kind of great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ice Cube, I just like Ice Cube. <laughs> sure. I'm not going to lie to you, Jordan. No, no, yeah. I just like Ice Cube. Both Cube and T, I think, are fun to watch on screen. There's this... Uh, I personally have, I think, a, a a very deep reservoir of positive emotions uh, based on the film Three Kings mm-hmm. for both Ice Cube and Marky Mark. Sure. Both of them... Yeah. I mean, I'm careful, to, I, I'm careful to avoid the terrible things they do. Mm-hmm. However, I have a lot of positive feelings for them based on that. Yeah. No, no. I think if you do... Yeah, I think you can have positive feelings about a performer or artist just based on a good thing. If you are careful to sidestep all of their bad things. Uh, And especially because Ice Cube uh, also is one of the greatest rappers of all time. So that also helps with Ice Cube. Marky Mark, less so. (laughs) Less uh, achievement in that particular... Top 10, though, certainly. Yeah, Sure. Okay, sure. top 10 rappers of all time? Yeah, top 10 rappers slash underwear is, is models. Is what he did considered rapping? Didn't he? He rapped. I, I, he was, was he a new kid or was that his brother? His brother was uh, in the new yeah, kid. He was in Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, mm-hmm. which was, they did rap. He okay. did rap. The funky Bunch. Well, yeah. Was the Funky Bunch his band or were they, what, is, what constituted the Funky Bunch? It was his gang of handsome boys. Okay, did they, then they rapped. Or did they just hang I around him? I think, look, this is, we'd have to get our friend Matt Belknap on the phone, because sure. uh, he's really the expert, being from Massachusetts and a fan of hip-hop music from 1986 to 1989. Mm. Um, but I think that only Marky Mark rapped and the Funky Bunch were dancers or something. Okay. Um, but I might be wrong, and they might have all danced. No, they might have all rapped. Okay. 
They definitely all danced. But rapping, like, it wasn't an R&B thing. Like, he, he rapped. Yeah, it okay. was definitely a rap thing. So anyway, um, Adam worked on this movie called Torqued. Mm-hmm. And the guy who directed this movie, uh, Torqued, I, I don't recall this guy's name, um, he got this gig because he had directed a bunch of really high-budget Britney Spears videos. Sure. And I don't mean literally Britney Spears videos. At least one of them was a Britney Spears video. But like maybe he directed that Backstreet, like that InSync video where they're all marionettes. Okay. Um, so I don't know if he conceived of that powerful mm-hmm. metaphor, but um, <laughs> he at least executed it. Just a cutting critique of the music industry. And this is, and, and when I was talking to Adam about what it was like to be on the set of this film, he said that... What did he do on it? What was his job? Ah, uh, you know, he was like a second camera something or... A loader, maybe? Yeah, I don't know sure. what he was. Okay. Something, something like that. Or he did post-production on it or... I don't know. He did something and he was on the set of this film. Um, I know that when Adam Scott was on The Sound of Young America, uh, uh, Adam Lissagore asked me to convey his fond regards and mm-hmm. tell him how great he was in Torqued, sure. which I confirmed after watching it. Um, and he said that basically the guy who directed this movie, there were a few things that he wanted to do in this movie. He had a few ideas. He had this idea for uh, a thing where they're riding motorcycles on top of a train. Mm-hmm. Um, he had like a couple of set pieces in mind and Adam said that he was essentially openly contemptuous of the actors <laughs> and of the <laughs> script. So basically this was a guy who was directing a feature film, not because he ever aspired to be a great filmmaker. His only interest was directing Britney Spears videos you know what I mean? Like, there was no... He wasn't directing... He wasn't like Spike Jones directing music videos because he wants a great place where he can really stretch his wings creatively and sure. so on and so forth. This was a guy who got tens of millions of dollars right? Uh, with no ambition to do anything with it at all. Although, isn't, like, isn't there something to be said for, like... I mean, and not... And obviously, this isn't how you want people making movies. But, like, I don't know. I feel like I have met these guys that are just obsessed with, like, after effects and, like... And, like, guys who do just want to make the craziest possible train stunt possible. At least that's something. And I get, like... And, yes, obviously, you know, like... You know, that's what makes it's it's what what defines like a classic action movie like Die Hard from, you know, just whatever it is Nicolas Cage happens to be in at the moment. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like I have met this type of guy a lot. Just the guy who is obsessed with like lenses and shutter speeds and like, but yes, doesn't know what a person is like and maybe is a little bit autistic. But like, I but don't know, I'm kind thing. of impressed by that a little bit. Shouldn't that person be in charge of lenses and shutter, shutter yes, speeds and absolutely. not directing? Absolutely. And, because I, think, and the, I think it is a budgetary concern why you put Asperger's shutter speed guy in charge of the whole movie. Uh, it's probably because a real director will want some money. Um, but yes, but I, I, but I, do, I, I do think that that is a necessary thing and it, it is cool, but... Yes, also don't let that guy direct the movie. Anyway. That's I mean that's the thing because there are certainly people who aspire to to be the greatest key grip sure in the world. There are craftspeople who want and there's people who want to be to stage the coolest action scenes of all time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't really have any problem with that. I don't even think like 
Like, I, I don't have any problem with someone who aspires to make action movies that are as great as, like, the greatest act- Jackie Chan movies or something. You yeah, know, yeah. like, the the most elegant action movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing to me. I, I was just surprised that people could make it to the top of show business or just become successful with no artistic ambition at all. Sure. I figured that people who were there had a lot of talent mm-hmm. and had compromised their ambition. Yeah, yeah. But actually, no. Hollywood, in part, is looking for people who are uh, at least somewhat talented and also have no ambition uh, to just right. do... Yeah, who will do what they say and then also ask not. I, you know, and I think when you do get into that low-budget action movie world, the world of the torques and the aliens versus predators requiems yeah <laughs> other movies adam's worked on um and skyline or something like that when you do get into that like well we got to make this for 20 million bucks by just the way so we can sell it in germany i think the company that adam used to work for made skyline yeah i i i yes i am actually <laughs> thinking specifically about the guys who directed aliens versus predator requiem and skyline yeah are the two that's who these, adam like, two brothers who are just asperger's shutter speed guys um yeah, and and yes, and I think that that like when you are in that low budget action movie zone, like you do just have to get a guy who was in charge of post production for James Cameron somewhere down the line and say, "Want to make a movie?" Sort of like how they hired the guy who like ran the second team on I don't know my filmmaking terms. I think it's called the second <laughs> yeah, team, second unit, maybe the red shirt, the red shirt quarterback sure. of mm-hmm. uh, Star Wars Episode One, right? Uh, to, to make Battlefield, Battlefield Earth. Earth, yeah, yeah, that's a good example for sure. Have you? Did you ever? Have you ever watched Battlefield Earth? I did. I watched it in. The, I watched it in the theaters. I definitely Battlefield Earth came out. Did we watch it together in the theater? No, we it came out when we were in high school. Did, did it? Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely it saw it in the theater in Santa Cruz. Okay, but I am a year older than yeah. you, so it might have been when I was no, eighteen I think, and like, you were seventeen. Yeah, late into high school was definitely when I was as obsessed with Mystery Science Theater three thousand as I've ever been, and I definitely uh-huh. had like two two buddies who were also obsessed and we would go see bad movies on purpose i remember that i went to see that i i do not i i've never i don't think i've ever gone to another bad movie on purpose sure. besides battlefield it was Earth. like i mean it was like one of those things that was famous for being bad before it even came out you know like it yeah. wasn't it didn't like gather this cult following or something no it, but was, it was legendary like, by the time it hit this theaters is gonna be bad yeah and i, I remember that i wanted I had heard that Norm Macdonald's movie Screwed was mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah. But I wanted to do something to encourage Hollywood to let Norm Macdonald make more movies because I like sure. dirty work so much. Sure. It's not the love about dirty work. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to know what Battlefield Earth was. Yeah. But I didn't want to give it any money. And I, I think me and uh, Tyler McNiven, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sometime Jordan Jesse Go guest and... Uh, Famous battle. Oh, what's that thing called that he won? That he Battlefield won a- Earth. Yes, no. <laughs> Battlefield Race. Amazing Race. Amazing Race. Um, amazing Race winner <laughs> Tyler. I think me and Tyler uh, uh, decided to spend eight dollars. Maybe even Gene, big time yeah, Gene yeah. O'Neill, went with us. Spend eight dollars on Screwed and go see Battlefield Earth. Um, I remember just a lot of like uh, weird wipes. Yeah, sure. A lot of midwipes. Just a lot of just... Well, yeah, I mean, that seems to be the thing. They did get the guy from, like, the second unit of Star Wars to direct it. And it seems like that's that's one of the things they got from Star Wars was that it's wipe style. Center out yeah. scene transitions. For sure. And also people running through debris. That's the two things I remember from, from Battlefield And that was Earth. definitely at the height of 
crazy acting John Travolta. Like he was like <laughs> off of like Face Off and Broken Arrow, where he was just acting like like, like a, a madman, nut. Yeah, and then and this is the movie that that all culminated in. Um, I have uh, I have important news, Jordan. Sure, thank you. Today, as we record this program. It is my 30th birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. I mean, I know it was your... I know this is around the time of your birthday. I don't know the exact date of your birthday because I'm a bad friend in person. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Jordan. Uh, I uh, I would only know your birthday because uh, Teresa uh, found out all the birthdays of my closest friends and put them in my Google calendar for perpetuity. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a nice That's a nice wife move. It was a really nice I wife I mean, that's move. why you get yourself a wife. I got a great wife, sure. Jordan. I mean, yeah. It's like convenience stuff. Like, I'm sure there's, like, sex reasons to get a wife. Right. And, like, food reasons. Sure. <laughs> but, but, like, it's probably just those little life things that, like... That, like, really let you know you made a good call. I um, have a name for this week's program. Hmm. Normally, I pick a name after we've recorded the show. Sure. In just a desperate, headlong attempt to remember one thing that happened during the sure. course of the program uh, so that I can name the episode <laughs> that. Sounds like you're a little too panicky about it. Oh, well, no. I just Sounds genuinely... Like just calm down. I'm sure that you have this experience. When I'm done recording Jordan Jesse Go, I don't remember anything that we discussed. Yeah. Nothing. I often will... I will often sincerely not be able to remember something to name the show and have to make the intern listen to the show <laughs> until say, something funny happens yeah. and then tell me that we should name the show that. Gotcha. Um, but this week, I think I'm going to uh, name it ahead of time in okay. honor of my 30th oh, birthday. Well, all right. Are you afraid that'll affect the content? Uh, I think it's gonna only going to affect the content positively, Jordan. Okay. It's going to be called uh, 30 Years of Exemplary Customer Service. Oh, <laughs> referring to you. Yeah. Well, I'm 30 years old. Can't we just name it Face Off? <laughs> face slash off? That's better. <laughs> I mean, Look, think about it. Think about it. I mean, it's your call, ultimately. Certainly, You're the one posting it. Certainly the flock of doves I'm planning to release later works yeah. better with the name Face Off sure. than it does with 30 years of exemplary customer service. It does. does fit into, it's fit into the whole john woo thing a little bit better okay we've got lots more to come well, okay did you want to talk about being 30 or we yeah gonna... well, we're gonna talk okay. about it on the other side of the break okay i gotta pee honestly because, jordan oh okay because i mean i have lots more mid-90s john travolta things i'd like to talk about <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in just okay. a second i jordan jesse go Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. A beautiful day here in Mount Washington. Mm-hmm. One of Los Angeles's original suburban developments. Just northeast of, what's that called? Dodger Stadium. Absolutely, sure. Within walking distance from a Mexican restaurant with the Three Stooges painted on the side. Oh, it's a Mexican version of the Three Stooges, Jordan. Oh, is it? Look, they look they, they look they Latino to me. Feet. Oh, I I I've only dr- driven past it. Yeah, I was checking it out. Well, I hadn't thought about it a lot, and then you were you were talking about it because I think a, last week or two weeks ago you got lost, mm-hmm. and you said it was because you missed your key landmark, Mexican Three Stooges. Right. Uh, I checked them out. I think it is a Latino version of the Three Stooges. Even better. I might be mistaken. Even better. 
But I I believe that sure. is what have it you, is. Have you have you been in this restaurant, and are you planning on going inside? Uh, I am planning on going inside. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I have not yet, though. Mm-hmm. I've been focusing on uh, tacos. Okay. Tostadas. Sure. And no, just tacos and tostadas so far. Sure. But this is a place where you can get them, presumably, right? Mariscos. Sure. Tacos, tostadas, y mariscos. <sighs> well, let me know. As soon as you go into the Mexican Three Stooges restaurant, please. Okay. Full report. I'm, okay, let's talk about me turning 30. Yeah, George. sure. This is important. It's good, it's good that uh, we have, we're guestless on a show and something sure. genuinely important has happened. Yeah. For the first time in years. You're right. I know. Yes, we do not leave lead important lives. No, we really we're not we're not sitting on the nuclear button. No, we're not in the midst of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Hell, I'm trying not to have feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I won't even watch dramatic television programs. <laughs> I'm afraid of them. I I've recently taken up watching the British version of the Antiques Roadshow. In my in my oh, yeah, effort sure. to completely avoid feelings, real mm. or simulated, <laughs> um, but I am turning I am turning thirty. My dad, uh, I, my dad was giving me advice. On, well, I've, I had two conversations about my birthday with my dad. Sure, one was this. He called me over the weekend uh, and left me a message uh, and said, "Hey Jesse, it's your dad. I've got some I've got some really good news. Give me a call." So I said, "Okay." Awesome. Sounds like something great's going down. <laughs> Brendan's pregnant. <laughs> um, so I I called him back maybe 20 minutes later, mm-hmm. and he said, so, are you in town? I should clarify that my dad lives in San Francisco. I live sure. in Los Angeles. I said, uh, um, and I thought about it. I figured, well, he probably means... Am I in that he's visiting Los Angeles and yeah, he wants yeah, to make sure. sure that I'm in Los Angeles? I said, I'm in Los Angeles if that's what you mean. And uh, he said, Oh, no. Uh, so you're not up here. You're not going to be up here this weekend at all. And I said, No. And he said, Oh, because I got Giants tickets. Mm. That's why he called me. He called me to tell me he got Giants tickets. And he assumed that you knew that and were coming I to don't get know. them? I don't know what he assumed. Huh. That's what's so crazy about it. Do you usually spend your birthday up, up with no. your family? Okay. No. Okay. Huh. No. And I don't usually go to Giants games with my dad either. Wow. I don't know what... I think my dad just got so excited that he got Giants tickets. I mean, somebody must have given him Giants tickets. Sure. I can't imagine my dad buying Giants tickets. But somebody must have... And, he, and that excitement sort of overloaded the part of his brain right. that remembers that I live remembers, in a different city. Or remembers what he's done and not done. Yeah. It was really... Uh, and then what was sad about that conversation was he sort of tried to cover for himself mm-hmm. after that and act like he had actually called me to tell me he loved me and happy birthday. <laughs> Right. When obviously he had sure, called me. He had some sort of assumption about going to a Giants game. It was to, that, that I was going to go to the Giants earlier. game with him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the other conversation was when he was when he decided to give me advice about turning thirty, and he said, he said, it's not really a big deal, Jesse. And I said, thanks, Dad. I, I I'm not sure it's really a big deal either. And then he said, I mean, physically, you know. You'll feel you'll feel better when you you'll feel about the same when you turn thirty as you did when you were twenty nine. Yeah. 
Psychologically, though, I guess it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and he said, well, anyway, love you. Talk to you later. <laughs> Didn't even know... No clarification after that, though. Number one, obviously it's not a big deal on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Nothing changes in the day that you turn yeah. 30. You don't, have to, you don't like get out of bed and just grab a walker that's magically appeared <laughs> at the side of your bed. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like, I, I feel like my, my parents... I can't go for advice on this kind of issue to my parents. Because I think... On the... I'm turning 30 and I'm having feelings about it issue. Yeah, because um, both of my parents, when they were turning 30, were, as far as I can tell, like still deeply involved in their teenage years. Sure. (laughs) Like my dad was, my dad was like a crazy, you know, uh, he was working in the veterans peace movement. Yeah. uh, Which I think just involved just a lot of drinking and weird sit-ins, sure, and stuff. Uh, I know that Pet snakes. I know that probably, it, a, probably at one point. Issue. At one point, he painted the inside of his bathroom to look like uh, the to look like a serviceman's coffin, right? Um, while listening to "Paint It Black" over and over and over on a forty-five RPM record player. Great. Um, this was around thirty. Yeah, this was right around thirty. This is things. This is under the category. Okay. Things my parents did when they were about thirty. My mom's friend, uh, my mom's friend Crackle, was climbing the RKO Tower in Washington D.C. because he believed himself to be King Kong. Sure. Also, your mom was friends with someone named Crackle. Yeah. Another way in which maybe she was a it bit might behind have been, the curve. You know, now that I think about it, it might have been Pickle mm. or possibly Pickles. Okay. That was her friend that climbed the RKO Tower. Well, I mean, you know. I just we're, we're splitting hairs here at this point. I just feel like my parents' anecdotes about their young adulthoods mm-hmm. are so unrelatable to me. They come from this crazy alternate universe. You know what I mean? Like anytime right. my I only found out my dad um uh my dad was sitting at the family dinner table when I was like 16 with, you know, uh my brother, my brother John was sitting there. He was maybe eight, mm-hmm. and uh, my brother Brendan was there. He was two year old. My stepmother was there. He made some offhand remark. He said, "Well, when I was married to Lorraine, not one of us had ever heard of Lorraine." Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> like what? When you were married to who? <laughs> and so uh, my parents my parents lives in their in their like through I th- basically think through when I was born mm-hmm. um or through when when they got together which was you know I kind of 9 months before I was born sure ish um I it, it is this thing that I do not understand it mm-hmm. I have never had any single experience like it um and it may just be because, I don't know, like, because I never drank. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I, I think that's probably a bigger part of it. I mean, it seems like it seems like substances were a big part of your parents' young adulthood. Well, I think my and parents... And, like, cultures that went along with substance, you know, like, a cult, subcultures where substances were, were par for the course. My parents were both, I mean, they were both born in the early 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say 42 and 43 or 43 and 44, something like that. And um, 
I think that they both they both really really lived the, their generational experiences. Sure. Just ten out of ten. Like all these all these guys, you know, running vintage guitar stores have nothing on my parents. <laughs> right. And my parents only even began to get their acts together in their mid thirties. Like I, I was born when my parents were like thirty five ish, thirty six ish, something like that. Thirty six yep. and thirty seven. Mm-hmm. 36 and 35, something like that. And uh, uh, there is some reason for me to believe that my mom just tricked my dad into impregnating her. Sure. Um, not, that's not confirmed. Mm-hmm. I want to make that clear. Right. Um, I don't want to get any emails from my mom about this. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I don't know, like, what would I say to them about what it's like, you know? But I know that once Teresa has a baby, I can talk to them about what it's like to have a baby. Sure. I know that, that they can relate to that, mm-hmm. but they didn't definitely didn't spend their 20s building a podcast empire. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yes. No, no, and I, I definitely, I definitely, like having two parents who aren't creative definitely feel like this, you know, feel like this disconnect, like there's just something like, you know, that like, I, that kind of idea that a creative person has or that like reality that a creative person has of not knowing where their next job is going to come from is a big thing with talking to my mom. Um, She's a nurse. She's been a nurse uh, all her life. And just like this idea of, you know, I think she just thinks that I, you know, have a job and will have it too when I don't want it anymore. (laughs) But yeah, and that's definitely a thing that I feel like it's just impossible to have a conversation with her about. Yeah, I do have to say that my parents are... They they have always been very understanding about uh, my... The vow of poverty that I took when I decided to become a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Or public radio host or whatever. Because neither of my parents had a real job job Mm. i don't think actually now that i think about it my dad has barely had a real job job in his entire life sure for a while he was an associate professor at the university of san francisco business school but he was only teaching one or two classes Mm -hmm. but i remember when my mom got when my mom got my mom went to grad school when i was like eight or Mm ten i remember when she got a uh when she got her first full-time teaching job what the difference in our life was for her, because she had worked in a store before that when I was a kid. Yeah. Like the difference in our life when she just had a real job. Mm-hmm. And so they definitely have never been like negatively judgmental about me not having a real job. Do they both have master's degrees? Uh, yes. My dad has a master's in business administration. Mm. He also apparently has like three quarters of a master's, like an all but, uh, all but you know, getting approval on his dissertation or something in Asian studies, which is another thing that I sure. found out when yeah, I was 19, yeah. that my dad was in a master's program for Asian studies at UC Berkeley for two and a half <laughs> years. Also, that he worked as an urban planner for a while. Hey. I had God, no yeah, idea. I'm blown away by these people who have had all these different jobs. I'm like, I have trouble getting a job. Like, one, yeah. you know, like, and also... How long do you have to have a job before you can start saying that you had it? Like, <laughs> was this two weeks? Like, you know. My dad, yeah, I, it's, it's a completely perplexing world. But I do know that my mom 
is confused. Now that I do have a real job, mm-hmm. my mom is confused about why I have what amounts to a normal middle class person's income. Sure. In in my dad once gave me some advice when when I was super super broke, like mm-hmm. a year after I got out of college. Yeah. And um, I was, I had moved, Teresa and I had moved in together in San Francisco. And I was, Teresa had a job and I was desperately trying to find a job, Mm -hmm. any kind of job, just applying for job after job after job and not getting any of them. And I had been unemployed for like three months of like really hard search, searching for a job, maybe six months even. Um, I called my dad because I needed some money and um, I had never like, I know that there are some people who uh, it was a thing for them to ask their parents for money. Uh, but my parents, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't in your family, right? Like, it Oh yeah. Seem no, like, I've never, I've never. Uh, yeah. Like, you know how you meet some people and they're like, yeah, I got to call my parents and ask them to send me some money. Yeah, no. And, and uh, yes, absolutely. I am aware of this kind. Of, and yes, that is Baff, like I, yeah, baffling. So confusing, sure. right? You're like, your parents just send you money. Yeah. <laughs> um. But anyway, I we were like, I, I you was, know, and it's and they do say it with that tone. That's like, well, I dinged the car. You yeah. know, like, well, I took out dad's station wagon and I hit a, you know, I opened the door into a light post. They say it with that kind of gee whiz. Yeah. They're sure gonna be sore about this. Like, anyways. So. I had literally never asked my parents for money for anything. Yeah. Um, and my my mom did, when I got my driver's license when I was 20, 21, mm-hmm. possibly, uh, my mom did pay for half of the $1,700 that I spent on my first El Camino. Sure. Um, but I had never asked my parents for money. And I asked my dad for money, and he told me this story. <laughs> Well, I'll loan you the money, but you're going to have to listen to a story first. He told me this story about how, um, about how I, think it was, I think it was when he was married to Lorraine. Mm-hmm. And he and Lorraine... Lorraine were, Newman, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. He and Lorraine were, were so broke that they, they, they were like about to get evicted from their apartment or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad asked his parents for money. And my dad's parents were... Um, uh, my dad's parents were, you know, comfortably middle class. Mm-hmm. Like my dad's dad was a successful accountant, and my dad's mom was a, a mom, mm-hmm. uh, a school nurse for a while, but then sure. a full time mom. And um, so he he uh, he told me this story about asking his parents for money when they literally he said they didn't have money to buy food. Mm-hmm. He said they needed money to buy food, and. Um, and they wouldn't give it to him because they thought it would build his character. Yeah. And he said, and that was like one of the worst things that's, that ever happened to me. Anyway, I can't give you any money. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the worst thing that ever happened to me. And he just said he didn't give me, he just didn't give yeah. me any money. I mean, I presume he didn't have any money to give sure, me. Sure, yeah. But it but was, you were with Ther- it was like really Teresa funny. Was, that- like, Teresa had a job, though. So you guys, you know, you could at least... I mean, obviously, it's not a good feeling to be, yeah, I mean, to be to, jobless when you're... Yeah, definitely. Two, 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 people, two people on living on one, you know, $12 an hour income was, was tight. Things yeah. were tight. Sure. Uh, but yeah, no, I, we, we had means to eat. Yeah. Uh, but it was just funny to me that he told me the story of when his parents... Uh, didn't give him any money 
to illustrate the saddest thing that ever happened to me. Right. Uh, to drive home the point, I guess, that he wasn't going to give me any money. <laughs> right. It was the saddest thing that ever happened to me, and I am passing that sadness on to you. Anyway, right my, my parents, like, my parents didn't, didn't do... I mean, it's funny, because they both, like, you know, my dad helped found this really important peace organization that, you know, later John Kerry ran for president. Mm-hmm. Um uh from out of um and that's a monumental accomplishment but i think that his life was just a total disaster in almost every way until he was 37 yeah it seems like i mean it seems like that's definitely a kind of person who works in the non-profit space as someone who is building this amazing thing you know with total disregard for their own comfort but also their their shit's a mess yeah, I mean, my dad, like, there's always a secret coming out of his past. Yeah, I remember yeah. I read this book called <clears throat> Hackers, mm-hmm. which is a great book uh, by Steve. It's the I've seen the movie. Basis Jesse, the I've no- seen the movie yeah. Hackers. Yeah, it's just... With Angelina Jolie it's Johnny the, Lee Miller. I don't need It's to the novelization of that film. Oh, okay. This came after the movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, no. If it's, it's as good as the novelization of Home Alone, I'm there. It's this movie... It's this, it's this book about uh, sort of pr- the people who created, who invented computers like personal mm-hmm. computers sure. in the 60s and 70s and a uh, great book and um and i was talking to my dad about how much i was enjoying that book and he said let me look at that book and he, and he just pointed out like six people that were like his friends no oh, funny that he like lived in weird communes with yeah, or whatever yeah. my mom my mom still has friends that live in weird communes yeah i think yeah sure it seems like that 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 generation of people some people are still doing that she's got she's got some friends who uh live in this commune it's funded by money that came in from uh uh from one of the guys who lives in the commune invented the chip that plays music when you open a greeting card oh wow they're just coasting off that huh? <laughs> just coasting off that that sure. and- Probably, they're probably growing pot. I don't know. Yeah, the pot. Yeah. Probably those two things. But mm-hmm. they may just be growing pot just to defra- def- uh, to just to defray their pot buying costs. That, absolutely. Yeah, it gets to a certain point. I mean, yeah. You got to look at your pot intake. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what to make of the fact. I mean, it's weird because you know here I am. I'm 30 now. Sure. As of today, currently. Um and uh you know Ray Romano was on the on an upcoming episode of The Sound of Young America. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was kind enough to point out that, uh, given my receding hairline and my penchant for wearing neckties, uh, I would probably age well. Mm-hmm. He he said that in a nice way. Um, and certainly, have I always had dad-like qualities? Yes. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But now I'm like, well, why didn't I climb an RKO tower or something? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, why didn't you... Why was you... I so busy uh, trying to avoid the nightmarish unevenness of my own early years by <laughs> right. building a financial and uh, uh, work and family foundation, a stable foundation for my future life Yeah, <laughs> before I had children? Yeah, what do you think? What do you, I mean, what, what's, what's the number one... What's the number one... Or you can have a top three if you want to. What's the number one or top three things that you feel like you just cannot do now that you're 30 like that you would have wanted to fuck a model sure fuck two models yeah model three-way and fuck just a whole bunch of models just like a whole bunch of different different model trains yeah absolutely oh man different scales when i say different models i mean different scales so like an ho an o yeah um (laughs) is that how you classify trade models i don't know anything about them yeah 
Huh. I think I learned that from Hackers, the book Hackers. Mm. Did you know that the early hackers uh, were... They uh, learned to create computers from building really complicated model train setups. I did not. It's true at Wait, MIT. So all, are all of your regrets fuck-related? No, not a, very few of them are fuck-related. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I, I don't know if I really have regrets. Sure. Like, I don't know what it is that I would have done, mm-hmm. but there's just this nagging sense that there must be something. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I've pretty much, you know, like I, I, I wanted to be a bro- become a broadcaster. I, yep. That seemed really fun to me. Mm-hmm. I did it. Now I'm a success. Sure. You know, so that's great. Mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I fell in love with my wife when I was 17. Mm-hmm. Pretty much stayed in love with her. Sure. Eventually married her. Mm-hmm. Very happy with that. Good. Like I have no like feelings. Like God, why did I get married? Mm-hmm. Um. I wasn't sure if I should adopt dogs, but yeah. I got one and it worked out really well. And then I got sure. another one. I like that mm-hmm. one practically nearly as much as I like the first one. <laughs> um, however, however, that having been said, I feel like I've, I, you know, driving forward so fast, who knows what I missed? Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Do you maybe is there maybe would you like to have spent time in a foreign country? Is that something you wish? I uh... haven't spent much time in foreign countries. I feel like I. I spent all this time in foreign countries when I was a kid mm-hmm. with my mom. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so my mom's quite the, quite the traveler. Yeah. And um, I, have, I have hardly stepped foot in a foreign country since I have been an adult. I went to Laos for a few weeks mm-hmm. uh, to work. Yeah. And um, I, I've spent a, a few weeks here and there in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've hardly been out of the country in 10 years. Yeah. I feel like one of those people that isn't, that's not a thing they do. Except that, yeah, it totally is a thing I do. Yeah. I just have that inconvenient, that inconvenient, uh, uh, that inconvenient combination of both being broke and having a lot of responsibilities. Sure. Yeah. And I, I it, yeah, it seems like that's a kind, and I don't know. And I, and I look at the kinds of people that do this and I really, envy it but see no way of doing it for myself those people who like when they finish a job or when they lose a job or you know kind of when there's some sort of break in their career they just go and live in a foreign country for a few months and i know that's a really i mean it's a really popular post-college thing to do and maybe that's just the ideal time to do it but i it seems fun to me you know it seems really cool i'd like to be one of those people who said like oh yeah like you know, uh, sure, I lived in South America for a month, you know, I'll and tell I you. attended bar or something, but I don't, like, my brain can't fathom how you do that and not die. Like, <laughs> how do you, like, where do you get the money for that? What do you do? What, how do you get back? What, you, what do you do when you come back? My like, my friend, my, one of my best friends, Adam Katz, who mm-hmm. we actually saw sure. when we were in Ann Arbor, yeah. uh, he happened to be in, in Ann Arbor when we were there. Um, he went to Columbia Law School, mm-hmm. graduated from Columbia Law School, had a job offer. Yeah. Job offer got postponed. I don't know if you've heard about this law school situation, but it's a real fuck fest for everybody. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, that's the wrong word. Not fuck fest. <laughs> a bad kind, a bad kind of fuck fest. Yeah, yeah. a bad kind of fuck. A negative a negative fuck fest where there's not enough mattresses and everybody is uh, yeah. everybody's annoying. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so he went and lived in Australia for a few months. Yeah, no, I definitely remember, uh, us having that conversation with him and also thinking that, like, how the 
fuck did you do that? Like a plane yeah. ticket. Like a plane ticket would like be most of the money I have. Yeah, and you know, what's like, funny about it is it's like then you're like, well, he's just a rich kid, and then I'm like, wait a minute, no. We've been friends since I was 10. I know his parents. He's not a rich kid. Yeah. Not at all. He, just some people have a greater sense of possibility than I do. Yeah. No, and maybe that is. And maybe it is just a, like, you know, being willing to take your bank account down to zero. Yeah. And then just seeing what happens. And maybe that is just a personality trait that I don't possess. And I think that's what it is. I mean, I think the part of me just assumes when everyone is telling me that I took a month off to go to Brazil story is I always think, oh, your parents just gave you $5,000. Right. To, and that's what got it started. Well, I assume that, too. I mean, that's, that's my, the, my, I think, the byproduct of me having spent my middle school years yeah. in an incredibly fancy private school on scholarship sure. is that I just assume that anything good that happens to anyone it's else is because their parents gave them $5,000. Sure. But, that's why they have a Lynx and a Game Gear. <laughs> oh, man. That's why they've got Warrior season tickets. Sure. Whatever. Yeah, but, but no. Well, I mean, but maybe it is more. Maybe it is more than that. Maybe it is just that willingness to say, like, "Well, when I come back from this, I will have zero dollars in my bank." But I'll tell you what, though, figure it out. I think, and that, I'm attractive. Usually, they're attractive. Go yeah, <laughs> I think that those two things are related, though. Sure. I think that when you're a rich kid, yeah, you. Excuse me. It's okay. I do think that those two things are related, though. I think that when you are a rich kid, sure. you have a, you have a sense that if anything goes wrong, you can always ask your parents for money. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even if you can't, actually. Yeah, right. And maybe Like, even you, if your parents yeah, have sure. told you they'll never give you any money because you have to learn to support yourself. Yeah, just maybe that idea of money always exists. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if, if you've actually paid for your doctor visit with a sticker <laughs> from the state of California, um, then... Or dressed your own wound with things you find in a dumpster. <laughs> Like I have. That's so. a that's one of the things they don't talk a, a lot about when when they talk about the dumpster diving diving hobby. Yeah, right. Is wound dressing? It's advantages for wound dressing. Mm-hmm. You can find an old banana, for example. It sure. makes a great no, poultice. Like, absolutely, a natural adhesive too. <laughs> As a natural, it has its own little adhesive. And it's wonderful uh, if you get in an argument with somebody who uh, believes in evolution. You can just demonstrate it's got a natural handle. <laughs> And only exactly. an intelligent designer could sure, have created would that. would have bananaed. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know about what... It's funny because I, there are, I am of two minds. Mm-hmm. One is that as I become a grown-up, mm-hmm. I think, oh, well, it'll be fine. Like, I took care of my... You know, I'm going to have a baby, but... You know, I, I helped take care of both of my brothers when they were babies. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I babysat from when they were little babies and changed their diapers and sure. so on and so forth. And so I'm not, I'm not that scared about that. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a dad, so I'm not giving up any carousing that I was doing before. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, it seems like the guys who are uncomfortable when it comes time to settle down are guys who have had a wild past, but... But I, might on argue, the other hand, I might argue that you are wilder now than you have ever been. Yeah, I think because that's you like probably... stay up a little later or something. Yeah, well, that's because these new migraine pills I've been taking. Hey, 
That's pretty great. Yeah. Have I even mentioned that on Jordan Dixie Go? I don't know. I feel like are I are migraine pills a good topic for conversation? No, but I feel like I should <laughs> I should say that I have been taking a new kind of migraine pill that seemed like maybe they're working. Sure. So that's great. And it's allowing you to carouse more than you would. Yeah, at least stay up till midnight. <laughs> like sure. a normal fucking human yeah. being. Um yeah, I don't stay know. Stay up to see the end of nightline. So I here's here's an action item for this. Mm-hmm. Uh suggestions for things I should do in the next three months. Mm-hmm. So between now and three months from now. Yeah. Uh, that, by the way, a, a birthday message from my mother-in-law. Oh, nice. Uh, that you may have just heard on off microphone. Very sweet. Um, things I should do between now and when my child is born yeah. in the first three months of my 30s that we're going to count as the last three months of my 20s. Okay. Um, uh, well, I still can. We'll see. Maybe I'll even do one of them. Okay. Doesn't seem like. Well, I mean, first, before the baby comes, you should probably plug up all these electrical sockets. Because they get, they get in there. Is that the kind of thing we're thinking of? No, they get it. Yeah. I mean, it's not outrageous, but no, it's you mean practical. That, you mean I should buy some forks for my baby? Yes, exactly. For my baby buy to play some, with. some play forks. Yes. Sure, you have your eaten forks. Sure. But then you have the baby's play forks. Some little play forks. Yeah. They're, they're for babies because they're smaller. Mm-hmm. That way they can get in stuff. Right, exactly. They're for their little hands. and Plus, I've got to sharpen the corners of my coffee table. Oh, sure, yeah. Because otherwise, you know. It's just gauche if, it's, if you have dull edges on your coffee table. I mean, I, I'm no interior designer, but. So if you have an idea or you have some relevant experience to share, 206 984 yeah. is and the I guess I'll, I mean, I guess, I guess I am, I'm turning 29 in a few days. I guess maybe I'll even take... I'll even take some last year of 20s suggestions from people. And um, here's, one more, here's one more thing. Mm-hmm. If you have a suggestion for when we should change our iTunes description so it doesn't say two guys in their mid-20s, let me know. Does that say what is it, what's what it says on our podcast? I have not changed the description of our show since we started our show. <laughs> so, right. Mainly, yeah, mainly what it was. Sure. Okay. S- somebody emailed me, somebody emailed me uh, to complain about, they said, who wrote your bio on the WNYC website that said I was like a 23-year-old uh, receptionist? <laughs> Funny. <laughs> I was like, I got I to gotta be honest with you. I wrote it. Now, did I write it six years ago? <laughs> yes. Certainly I did. Um, Maybe it should just be... Best be two assholes. Yeah. Instead of two guys in their mid twenties. Two assholes talk about what it's like to go through life as (laughs) As real real piece of work. Real fuck nuts. Yeah. Two oh six nine eight four four fun. You can email us at JJGo at maximumfun.org. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Yes Go. Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Let's do a few commercial and uh, personal messages here. Why not? Let's do that. Uh, let's start with Black Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a nerd rapper, self-described nerd sure. rapper. Uh, you can find him online at herecomesthethunder.com. Sure. There yeah. you go. I don't know. I'm not convinced. You're not convinced that's real? It's a real URL? Eh. I mean... Number one, I don't think Black Wolf is the real name of a real nerd rapper. And the fact that I've seen this website does not convince me otherwise. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. Have I seen the website? Does it have a music video with surprisingly high production values? Yes. (laughs) Um, Do I still think that there's a nerd rapper named Black Wolf? Probably not. Yeah. You think this is 
Just a ruse? You think this is, a, I think this is like a viral marketing thing for like Axe body spray? I'm still not convinced that nerd rap even exists. Sure. Don't send me links to nerd rap videos. <laughs> P.S. Don't send me links to nerd rap videos. He does. No, it's a it's sweet. He has got a cool music video you can watch there. Uh, he's really rapping. He's got a beard. Sure. Um, uh, he's got he's got his own web comic there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you send in links to your favorite Axe moments. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, you can download his records for free. It's all online. Here comes the thunder.com. Uh, our, our hats off are to Black Go to Black Wolf. Yes. He's one of the top wolf rappers. I'd say he's second to Yellow Wolf, mm-hmm. who's an actual rapper who I actually really enjoy. Well, he's closing in then, though. Yeah, but he's, yeah, he's doing all right in the all it's All it takes is one slip up from Yellow Wolf. <laughs> Yeah, and Black Wolf is is gonna is gonna pounce like um, a jackal. Um, yeah, here we go. Here's another one. Uh, Masters of None, mm. the podcast this is a comedy podcast that they say doesn't suck. That's how they describe it. <laughs> okay, that is no. I should warn the master the people behind the podcast, Masters of None, that that is no longer a qualification. Sure. Not sucking is how we rose to fame. Absolutely. Uh, un- we came, we came, we, we started this in an era where shit just sucked. Yeah, everything sucked. Mm-hmm. We, we started in, in what I would call the ham radio era mm-hmm. of podcasting, where it was primarily about getting your calling cards out there uh, and making sure people, seeing how far you could get your handle. Yeah. You know? Sure. Oh, yeah, I, I handled a calling card with somebody from... Australia today mm-hmm. is what a podcaster might say. I don't know a lot about ham radio, and so I'm probably not doing the allusions to ham radio stuff. Mm-hmm. I know they write their handles on cards and then mail them to people that they've talked to on ham radio <laughs> to prove that they've talked to somebody far away. Sure. That's the extent of my knowledge about ham radio. Anyway, guests, past guests on the Masters of None podcast include Chris Hardwick. Wow. Our good friend, Chris Hardwick, Great. the nerdist, uh, mm-hmm. has his own very funny podcast. Penn Gillette, wow. uh, the uh, belligerent libertarian. Sure. Slash... I was going to say the voice of Comedy Central in 1995, but, <laughs> I mean, we, we each remember him for different things, clearly. Um, and Christopher Lloyd. Wow. Who's, That's pretty good. Who's still alive and kicking. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Speaking of Christopher Lloyd, I need to tell you something really important that's going on in my neighborhood right now. Okay. There is a garage underneath a building in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, a single-family dwelling, mm-hmm. a two-car garage. Yep. It's one of those open garages where you can see. Yeah. It has two cars in it. Mm-hmm. They are a DeLorean yeah. and a Geo Metro. Wow. <laughs> Are you planning to engage these people at all? Are you going to bring over a casserole and just say we're new in the neighborhood? Oh, my God. I have to know these people, right? Yeah. No, they sound great. Oh, boy. Okay, so um, you can... I think if you were, you know, and I don't know what you and Teresa do behind closed doors, but if you were angling to get invited to some sort of orgy, these people could probably help. The people with the Geometro and the and DeLorean. And the DeLorean, Yes. Yeah, I'm guessing. I um I mentioned to someone offhand that they had a uh uh they had a uh, a cover on the DeLorean, mm-hmm. and uh, that person pointed out to me that the truly remarkable thing 
is that there are DeLorean branded car covers. Yeah. There's enough of a market. Mm -hmm. The 1,500 DeLoreans that were sold in the world or whatever... Uh, that so that they need to make custom car covers for them. You know, I think they just know their audience. Like, if you're a person who buys a DeLorean, you're going to buy shit for that DeLorean. Well, you're going to buy a cover for it because you're sure. not going to drive it around. Mm-hmm. It's non-functional, almost certainly. <laughs> right. We're talking about a car that was made in Belfast, Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. that hotbed of the automotive yeah. industry. Um, okay, so Masters the Detroit of Europe, Masters of None dot com. Uh, they recommend that you try listening to their podcast soup mm. episode. Okay, I'm guessing that might be where they listen to podcasts and then make fun of them. They're probably going to play a clip Maybe. from this podcast oh, of us. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Ripped a new one. Well, anyway, thanks to the Masters of None podcast and mm. loyal listeners Mo, Kate, and Julia would like to wish fellow listener Rachel. A happy 30th birthday. Oh, how appropriate. Her birthday was Friday, April 22nd. Their first choice of gift was to Mm. get David Rakoff to pop out of a birthday cake. (laughs) Unfortunately, David Rakoff is a successful professional writer Mm -hmm. uh, and was unwilling to do this. And so they thought, well, maybe Jordan could sing her Three Times a Lady by Lionel Richie. I don't know Three Times a Lady by Lionel Richie. Could you just, could you maybe make... Although I'm a little insulted I was not asked to pop out of a cake. That's a good point. I don't have a chiseled bod like David Rakoff, and maybe I don't have his, you know, scathing wit. That's true. I could, po- I could be enthusiastic about it, though. You are, and you're irreverent. Sure, absolutely. Like him? Like Rakoff. Yeah. And oftentimes, I'm too mannered for the situations I'm put in. No, not really. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would like to sing a song, but I'm also a little insulted that I was not asked to pop out of a cake. I mean, I'm doing these people's wedding in a couple of months. I'm officiating some listeners' weddings. You're going to fucking Montana or some shit. I'm absolutely doing that. So I don't know why you wouldn't have at least tried to hash out the details with me to pop out of this cake. Especially because this Rachel sounds cute. I know. Sounds like kind of a babe. Sounds like maybe she would appreciate a sexy guy like you. Well, I was going to say a pasty but enthusiastic dance. <laughs> um, Mo, Kate, and Julia say, Happy birthday to number four from numbers one, two, and five. And also... Rachel- <laughs> Sounds like they're just a fan of the I Am Number Four book and movie series. They all... What is that? Oh, never... Man, that doesn't... Anyway, I had to see that for work. Anyways. Is that something In the world from- of I Am Number Four... Uh-huh. These are special-powered aliens that are all numbered, and they have to be killed in order. Oh. What about the prisoner? Doesn't that have numbers in it? Mm, don't know. They also say, Rachel Ann Comerford, you're the breast. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that cute? It's very cute. It's a fun thing to oh, say. Oh, I should think of a song to sing, though. I know I'm mad at them, but... These people are named Mo, Kate, and Julia. I think they're all girls. I think this is a group of young women that enjoy our podcast. No, that's not real. These are all... These are all just male computer programmers and cargo shorts who have given each other girl names. On AOL. They gave each other girl names on, on AOL, AOL yeah, in the sure. early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Listen, if you want to get your message Wait, what, on... Wait, what song can I sing? Oh, well... I don't well, know any songs. Shit. I was going to suggest that you maybe just make, uh, make a clay bust of your head mm-hmm. and mail that to her. Lionel, yeah, Lionel Richie style. Let's do that. Okay. Okay. No, you should sing a song. Yeah, what do I know? It's a beautiful I I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. I don't know. Originally that. written by Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. Yeah. Um, Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. Yeah. Step in the Name of Love by R. Kelly. Love Planet by R. Kelly. Yeah. I guess I'm kind of in a rut here. Not really. Yeah. I mean, I'm and I'm clearly just. <laughs> I should out really of touch be because suggesting I don't know all these popular songs. I should be suggesting no effect songs. Yeah. Um. Mm. Um, What's that? Okay, Man Eater Wait. by Hall and Oates. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what about Rich Girl by Hall and Oates? That's my favorite that Hall and Oates song. song. That's a great song. What's She's that one? A rich girl in the dirty money, but you don't it anyway. I'll just sing. Here's just the last part of a song that I'm thinking of. Okay. Bring a tear of joy to my eyes and everything. It's gonna be all right. There you go. That goes out to you, Rachel. <laughs> Teresa at MaximumFun.org if you want to share your commercial or personal message. $200 for a commercial message. $100 for a personal message. They will message. all be as good as that. Yeah. Look, if those fucking My Brother, My Brother and Me's will write little songs about each of these fucking things, we'll sing Lionel Richie songs for every fucking one. Sure. That's it. It's settled. Done. I don't know any Lionel Richie songs myself. I know some Commodore songs. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll work it we'll out. We'll figure it out. Okay, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Love, Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Look, I have spent enough time prattling on about myself and my problems. Mm -hmm. Frankly, my invented (laughs) non-problems. Sure. Um, Let's get to you and your problems. Um, Number one, I want to clarify something about this segment. Yes. We're about to answer questions from our audience. Mm -hmm. I want to point out that we've been doing this long before that bullshit My Brother, My Brother, and Me show was even a glimmer in the eyes of a certain three McElroy boys. Johnny and Johnny and Johnny come lately? Sure. Yeah, those those so-and-sos. Anyway... Uh, you should listen. It's a great show. It is very funny. They they were great. They really destroyed in our Chicago show. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone who came out to our yeah, Chicago and Ann Arbor Louise. programs. Mm-hmm. It was really a blast. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to turn my microphone so I can uh, read off the computer screen, and let's see what we got. Uh, okay, number one. Uh, Jamie emails and says her boyfriend loves video games, and she thinks she might too. Uh, but her co- poor controller skills frustrate her before she can get very far. She tried playing something called Portal, mm-hmm. uh, but got so frustrated by the effort that walking and turning her head took that she just couldn't enjoy the game. Uh, do you, Jordan, have any recommendations for a game she could try uh, that she might not hate? Oh, geez. Okay, let's see. And it may, it may be something that is good for couples, too. Yeah, Xbox and PS3. Can I recommend Katamari? You may, yes. I would also, I'll also throw, there, throw my weight behind Katamari. Uh, there's one for the Xbox called Beautiful Katamari, and there's also one for the PS3 that I forget what the name is, but it's... That's a lot of fun, and it's not too hard to learn the controls of. Yeah, absolutely. I bought Lego Star Wars Mm -hmm. with the idea that this would be something my wife would enjoy, uh, because I just heard it was something that wives and small children liked. Sure. uh, That they could... That, that, like, grown-ups liked, too. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) That came out worse than I intended. Uh, (laughs) But um, the... uh, uh, She hated it. Yeah. 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 Uh, 
Basically, yeah, those... all video games, the buttons are too complicated unless you played hundreds and hundreds of hours of Nintendo as a small yeah, child. Yeah, and I think that's why the Wii is so popular with, you know, with people who haven't played games in a long time, is that it is easy to pick up, um, despite not being able to use a controller with analog sticks and shoulder buttons. Um, but yeah, no, let's see. Um, yeah, the Katamari games are great. Um, but, 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 yeah, God, what can you play on the Xbox 360? And, oh, uh, for the Xbox, uh, you're going to want to check out the Viva Piñata series. Oh, Viva Piñata, that's a lot of fun. You're going to want to gather some different fruits. Yeah. Wait, no, I'm thinking of a different thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, There's no, the there's, one where uh, there's fruit gathering. You're gro- you have to grow piñatas, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it is, uh, it is kind of simple and, and, and even relaxing. I might say. Yeah. But it is kind of like complex and stat based enough to maybe where your boyfriend would like it too if he's a video game guy. I know I'm a video game guy and enjoy it and I think that uh non gamers would play as well. Boom. Um somebody wants to hear our classic party stories that we thought we told a million times on Drew and Jesse Go and then everybody said that we didn't, but we don't have time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So you're just gonna have to wait. Mm-hmm. We're saving those wait for a that one for a situation even more dire than this one. Um, what animals could we beat in a fight pound for pound? Um, what does that I mean? Pound like something that weighs the same as us? Well, like I weigh about two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in, so so what amount of animals? So that would be like I think what he's saying is that would be like ten twenty pound dogs. Mm-hmm. Or a young walrus. Okay. That's his ideas. Yeah. Um, geez. I've, I don't think there is almost any animal that I could beat in a fight pound for pound. I think I would feel pretty good about throttling three flamingos. I don't know. They'd probably start flapping in my face and I'd freak out. No, the flapping is okay. And I, but I feel like I'd when I... would fall down and then they'd get declined. And this is going to make me seem cold and heartless, I realize. But I feel like when I see the flamingos at the zoo... You know, it's like kind of their silhouettes, and kind of from a distance, they look beautiful. Yeah. But when you get close, they smell, and they have <laughs> dead eyes, like, you know, they forget who their children are as soon as the children are born, and maybe step on them accidentally. <laughs> and I really have thought to myself on a few occasions, I could kill a flamingo and not feel too bad about it. So I'm going to say flamingos. Jeff says, what improv class should he take? Um, well, of course, in Los Angeles or New York. He says he's in Seattle. I've heard good things about Jet City. Yeah, I haven't improv. heard anything about it. People people seem to like doing Jet. They feel like there were some Max Funsters that were doing that. Okay. In the Bay Area, you're going to want to try Bay Area theater sports. A lot of people send me an email yes. asking about that. And you got your UCB in your New York and Los Angeles, along with your IOs. Sure. IO is highly recommendable. You could also do that in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You're the pit. Sure. People love that pit there in New York. There's a lot of good choices. Um, can we do a hang it up, keep it up? No. <laughs> that requires advanced preparation. Yeah. That's not what we're about today. Um, we're about phoning it in. Absolutely. Um, okay, here's one from uh, Jonah. He wants to know when I started being fancy all the time mm. and how hard is the upkeep? And he capitalized the U in upkeep. Um. Because you weren't fancy in college. No, but I... I mean, fancier than your typical college guy. I yeah, mean, the, I mean... the fact that you didn't wear I think, a college sweatshirt. I think I was... Um, I've always aspired to fanciness, but mm-hmm. I've always been sensitive to my environment. Sure. 
Um, I did. Yeah, you were you were more most likely to see me wearing uh, like a um, like vintage sneakers and a black Alicia's t-shirt when I was in college. Sure. Um, but I pretty much there were times when Fancy Jesse Fancy Jesse had a couple of different runs in college, and then Fancy Jesse sort of got started getting worked into the rotation after college. And I really committed to Fancy Jesse in my mid twenties when I had a job where I was working for myself. Mm-hmm. I now you know I I dressed pretty well for my first office job too, but you know it was a environmental nonprofit, so sure. you know I couldn't couldn't go over the top. Uh, but now that I work from home and people are coming over and I want them to not feel creeped out, uh, I try and dress nicely so they feel like oh this guy's like a professional. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This guy's taking shit seriously. Um, somebody said, is there a way to ask a lady if she's pregnant without getting hit if you're wrong? Yeah, be fast. Bob yeah. and weave. Yeah. Bob and weave. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation. No, I, just, I think just don't find something else to talk about. Yeah. Uh, hey, somebody pointed out it's our friend Nathan Rabin from the AV Club's birthday. Oh. Happy birthday, Nathan yeah, Rabin. Absolutely. Um, let's see. What else have we got here? Uh, Coworker non grandmas asking personal questions. Stonewalling makes it <laughs> <What>? worse. <laughs> this is from M. Wait, read start again? He, I gotta coworkers non grandma. I gotta um I gotta address this whole th- I gotta read the whole thing it only gets better from here. Okay. Coworker non grandmas asking personal questions. Stonewalling makes it worse. How me stoppa? I I don't know. I'm just first. I would probably wait for the mushroom to Hi, wear off that you've obviously taken. Hire nem shatas <laughs> to to lick shots. What's that at nem questionaskas? I don't know what any of this is. Oh, uh, I think that uh, her whole thing is that she is a uh, Jamaican reggae toaster. Oh, okay. And her sound system is doing poorly against another sound mm. system called the coworker non grandma. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the the challenge that she's facing right there. Um, Oni Davin, mm-hmm. our old friend Oni Davin, sure. uh, asks, when the new Thorne family edition arrives, how much of Jordan Jesse Go will involve my new dadhood? Um, 50, roughly 50%, right? Sure. It will be the only thing happening in my all the, life. All the Jesse parts of it. Yeah, and then Jordan will continue to contribute uh, probably some thoughts about the new uh, Mortal Kombat game. I've got him. It's coming out. Uh, it's, I've got, it's out. I've got Oh, it's out already. I've spent some significant time with it. What do you think? I think it's great. Yeah? It's terrific. A lot of cool fatalities. Lots of good fatalities. I have to say that I did not play a lot of Mortal Kombat as, uh, as a 12-year-old when Mortal Kombat was at the height of its popularity. Mm-hmm. I did play a lot of a game called Pong Combat. It was a shareware game for the PC that was Pong with fatalities. Oh, cool. Yeah. The, the pa- paddles would fatality each other? Yeah, they would fatality oh, each a, other. that's clever. Anyway, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Well, we've just meandered through a solid 279 <laughs> minutes of, of unplanned Jordan, Jesse Go. Yeah. Enjoy it. Uh, by the way, our, our guest actually tweeted yeah. 
that he felt bad that he uh, had accidentally stood us up and sure. that people should send us questions. Yeah. So we may have just been asking, uh, we, we may have just be an- been answering uh, questions from people who aren't fans of ours at all, but rather were fans of our guest who accidentally Mario stood Lopez. us up. Yeah, our guest was Mario Lopez. I don't want it to be a mystery any longer. No, I know. You can, you know. It was going to be Mario Lopez. Anyway, um... So many giant thank yous to all the people who came out yes. to our tour dates. Absolutely. What a fucking blast. Yeah, no, I think I think Jesse and I both love, love, love being able to do those live shows. So thank you for, oh, for getting to Oh, it was so much funny. And you, know, and you know, what was great was um, it was so fun to get to do that show in Chicago with my brother, my brother, and me. Their mm-hmm. first ever live show. I think we can both agree that they fucking killed it. Absolutely. Um, just nary a misstep in their in their great work, uh, and uh, it was really fun. It was really great. We and have... some talk about the Alf cartoon series. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, they said to me, um, you know, Alf was from the planet Melmac, mm-hmm. and that's where the uh the cartoon series took place. Mm-hmm. It's a prequel of sorts. Yeah, and I said, oh, Melmac, like the dishware. Uh, and they did not know that that was a thing. Yeah. So what we've learned is my brother, my brother, and me know about the cartoon that predated <laughs> that that was a prequel of sure. of sorts to Alf, and I know about collectible plastic dishware from the 1950s and 60s. But yet you guys are still the best of friends. Yeah. Anyway, um, it was great. We had uh, two like totally packed shows at the Second mm-hmm. City and a. Huge pack show in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Which... At a public know, library of all places. People fucking drove from Canada and stuff. Sure. Thank you thank very you, thank much you. to everyone who uh, who came out. Canada, Ohio, mm-hmm. um, all of Ann Arbor's hated rivals. <laughs> um, so thank you everyone yes. who came Warms out. the heart for sure. Um, and uh, as usual, uh, look, if you have ideas for things I should do before my child is born mm-hmm. or things Jordan should do before he turns 30... 206-984-4FUN, the number to call. Or you can email us at jjgo at maximumfun.org. Our theme music, Love You by The Free Design, courtesy of The Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Uh, we highly recommend their best of CD, Kites Are Fun. Uh, and some people think that that's not a real thing when I say it, because uh, it sounds like it might not be a it real does. thing. It does. Um, it is a real thing. It's just that amazing. It is that it so sounds great. unreal. It it you are you will be entering the realms of the unreal, mm-hmm. just like outsider artist Henry Dargis mm-hmm. or the film apparently based on his works Sucker Punch. Uh, that was a Do really... all the chicks have penises in Sucker Punch. <laughs> I I presume that all the chicks have penises in Sucker Punch. Yeah, I don't think well, they show their well, junk. I've not seen that yet. I think that's why they don't show their junk because mm. you're not allowed to show that many dicks oh, in one movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, 206-9844-FUN, JJGO at MaximumFun.org. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jessica.